gestating the curious minds involves adult themes and situations. Just a warning. Gertrude! Hi, Glenn. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. You want to record an episode? Yeah, let's record an episode. Let's uh, Weirdly formal. Go ahead, start doing the thing you do. <laughs> Whatever the hell this bit is we're doing right now. Welcome to Gestating the Curious Minds, where we will bathe you in the honeyed waters of whimsy. <laughs> whimsy. We're your entertainers, Glenn and Gertie Nuzzles. Allow us to shine a light on the process of creation for the most splendiferous fiction genre, paranormal smut. <laughs> is it called paranormal smut? Or is it paranormal erotica? I call it paranormal smut. I'm not sure what other people... But, I mean, it gets the the point across. All right, fine. I don't respect anything. Yeah, I can tell since you moved in. Do you want to move on? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to explain to people what's going on? We watched Glenn and I and Glenn's youngest kid uh, watched the eclipse last night. That's true. Uh, And I I flipped off the moon as I flip off everything. You call it flip. I call it flick. You flicked? You flick off the moon? I think it's a Midwestern thing versus an East Coast thing. You say flip and we all say flick. Yeah, flick off sounds filthy. That's the reason why we say it. You're sticking your middle finger. That's the thing used for fingering people. (laughs) (laughs) I just did the finger gesture. (laughs) He just pounded his finger in my direction, but I could tell he meant uh, it was meant to be inserted. Anyway. Yeah, like a finger bang. Go on. Yeah. Go on to what? Okay, so oh, the last moon. night... You flicked off the moon. Oh, yeah, we were flicking off the moon. Uh, you know, as you do, and uh, you're no talking all up and down about how uh, how I'm cursing everything, but then you also flipped off the moon. I kind of wanted to join in. I didn't want you to think I was cool. Yeah. But now your kid thinks I'm half cool because they think I'm a witch, so... <laughs> That's pretty awesome. cursing everything around you? Yeah. Fine. I like that. I, I like the... Uh, the approval of 15-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the problem of becoming an adult is that uh, suddenly teens and their judgments really make you feel insecure. I, well, especially when it's your stepkid and you live with them. You really want them to like you. <laughs> That's right. Please like me. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I made your bed. Actually, you've never made their t- bed. I don't That'd go in their room. Their no. <laughs> boundaries. I understand boundaries. There's boundaries. What's next? I kind of, I kind of keep forgetting what the flow of our show is every single time. I'm used to segments. That's how I get through each thing with right. all the other crap I do. But this one, we got no segments. We just bullshit. We which could I'm create totally not segments. Used to. I mean, we're gonna it's, create segments it's to not satisfy my, style. my urge. No, of course we could. No, yeah. for what? What are we gonna do? I'd go along with a segment if it satisfied your urge. Would you have a, a poetry corner? Uh, sure. Uh, it's <laughs> just going poetry? to be, I'm just going to make new lyrics to songs that I already sing. That's my form of like poetry. Like our Christmas songs? Like our Christmas songs. Look out for our Christmas album dropping on Spotify this December. This is actually a thing she really wants to do for real. Uh, <laughs> one time I was in, uh, when I was out to visit you, we went through Costco and I saw that there was a pack of eight chicken pot pies and I go, eight chicken pot pies. But then you thought of it like... The 12 Days of Christmas song. Yeah. And then we just started singing the 12 Days of Christmas with different (laughs) numbers of pot pies. They're all pot pies. And then we started singing different Christmas songs that were just the lyrics of the 12 Days of Christmas using chicken pot pies. 
So it's like Silent Night, but it's the eight chicken Popeyes. <laughs> it just went on forever. And then finally we decided we're going to make a Christmas album and stick it on Spotify, <laughs> where it's just all these Popeye-related Christmas songs. It's going to be amazing when we make it. I'm sure people are going to flock to it. Definitely. You wanted to mention something. You had a Twitter exchange. Yeah! I've done this like five times that's the reason why it's funny (laughs) there's a person on Twitter Sandman Stories Presents which you can find him at Story Sandman on Twitter Uh, and you can also find this podcast uh, at Sandman Stories Presents where he uh, focuses on folklore and reads stories in a beautiful voice that can soothe you to sleep Uh, And usually I find things in there that I find disturbing and then just, like, poke fun at them. Like, one time there was a a story about a a guy who uh, could turn into some weird animal, and I said, that's the dumbest animal to turn into. Are you burping? Away from the mic, you didn't have to mention it. Well, I mentioned it. Uh, So anyways, then I'd be like, why would you turn into that kind of animal? Then he writes back to me, like, why don't you shut up and just enjoy the story? It's folklore. And I'm like, well, it's just a dumb animal to turn into. We go back and forth all the time, and it's a lot of fun. He's a really nice guy, and his story's really good. Uh, But he apparently listens to the show. And so when someone uh, from Drunk Theory Podcast had uh, retweeted saying that they liked liked an episode, I said, oh, thanks for listening. I feel like I should Venmo you because you're actually taking the time to continue listening to our crap podcast. Then Sandman Stories jumps in and goes, why Venmo? Why not have some sort of bat-themed merchandise that has to do with this show? (laughs) Which I think is amazing. I think we should come out with a line of uh, bat cravats. (laughs) And neckties and such. I was going to say, isn't a cravat just the, like, silk sort of scarf you tuck into your shirt, like a proto-tie? Yeah. Yeah, just to keep your chest hair from showing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which I think would be very on theme for John Stith Pemberton. Absolutely. I know that would draw attention away from the fact that there's an actual physical bat underneath the scarf. Ooh. (laughs) It's a little, uh... It's a little spoiler for, uh, chapter two. There's a little bit of a spoiler for Chapter 2. Well, so with that, should I dive into reading what we wrote for Chapter 2? Let's dive on in. We wound up going a little bit longer than the hour that we grant ourselves for doing this thing. But you and I sat there. It was a beautiful day outside, so we did sit outside and write it together. It was fun. Yeah, little lawn chairs, sipping on drinks, uh, making jokes about the story. We did change up a couple things, but I think it stays true to what we last talked about. Chapter 2. Back in 1680... Uh, Chugwater discovered that they were sitting at a lucrative granite quarry. Quarry. Eh, well. Everyone was excited about the money that would flood into the community and began to dig out a large pit to start pulling it out. A cottage industry grew around the pit in the form of booths that sold various food and mining goods. Then, one day, the mayor called everyone into the town hall and explained that Georgia's highly competitive limestone industry had contacted him with an even more lucrative offer. They said that they had a really nice thing going and they didn't want a stronger stone chipping, in quotes, away at their profits and were willing to pay the town to hide their quarry and stay out of the rock game. So instead of investing in a mining uh, infrastructure, they paid 200 people to form a nightly bucket brigade that carried water from the closest drainage basin to fill the pit to make their public pool. The industry of booths selling food and mining pans stayed and the public pool became a community hub with a booth that even serviced all the broken ankles and ribs from people diving into the water and hitting one of the many loose boulders along its floor. 
It had changed from when he was there last as a child. Uh, There were all sorts of new entertainment performing for money and dazzling the crowd, like a woman who juggled cats, uh, a group of bards that sang love songs and danced synchronously, and Chet Honkerton, who was once a hilarious and well-loved asshole (laughs) in his youth, that now only illustrated the cruelty of age as the town locked him in stocks where the children and teens paid to throw things at him. John walked timidly through the throngs that jostled for position along the pit's edge. He paused when he found a spot and stood in his flowing blouse and silk scarf uh, that he had wrapped around his bat. He could see some <laughs> of the younger women in bathing petticoats glance in his direction, and he and the surge of his previous attractiveness flowed through his veins once more, though he knew that as soon as he revealed the bat, all the adoring looks would turn into sneers of disgust. Oh, he laid out his bathing blanket, taking a moment to stretch his wispy legs so that his shin-like calves were displayed for all to see. Holding out for as long as he could before he pulled away the scarf, he started by removing his blouse. He heard an audible (laughs) gasp from the the group around him. His chest was wet and glistening (laughs) in the evening light. Oh, his nipples seemed to rise like a a pin stood up on an end while the areola faded gracefully into the white, wet skin. Some of the women gasped in pleasure. Others shooed their children away so they could be alone with his visage. He slowly, oh so slowly, unrolled his stockings away from his knickers. The veins along his brittle shins throbbing in reaction to each small motion of the water near his curled Onotheria frutosa frucosa feet a flower indigenous to the area of Georgia. That was something that Damn it, I said your your Christian. Oh, just bleep it out. Yep, that's something that Gertrude had pulled out. It's like, what what kind of flowers that are kind of cup like little uh, little cups or something, little delicate flowers? And then he started looking it up as like, well, indigenous to the area of Georgia is the Onotheria frucosa. Everyone scooted closer. His timidity lightened as he pretended to innocently pose and stretch for all to enjoy. He knew he had to release the silk scarf soon, but he wondered that if he could keep them all trained on his beautiful upper body and his narrow hips, maybe they'd measure all their preferences and still appreciate him, or at least see past the bat to the moisture his beautiful form could still provide. With one hand, he slowly untied the scarf at its knot and tried not to draw attention to it as it slid away, each wrap around his neck gliding and revealing layer upon layer until it was down to only one, the one that covered over the bat. Then it was done. The bat was revealed. The women were still (laughs) passing their gazes over his chest and abdomen, and they looked longingly into his deep blue eyes and legs that sprawled limply beyond him. Oh, (laughs) they hadn't noticed the bat until Chet Hunkerton called out from the stocks nearby. Holy crap! Uh, That guy's got a bat on his neck! The children who normally stood close to throw tomato or, or whatever whenever Chet spoke stopped and searched out along the waters until they found John. They dropped their fruits and screamed. I was hoping that would bug you because it's clearly not a fruit. <clears throat> the women... <laughs> Tomatoes? Aren't they? They're not a fruit. Yeah, they're technically a fruit. Are they really? Yeah. So I just wound up saying technically the correct thing. I was trying to piss you off. The women who were still stroking <laughs> and coveting his body with their lusts broke from their trance and locked in on his neck and also uh, joined the chorus of screams. Soon everyone was up from their bathing comforters and backing <laughs> away. John was mortified. He sprung to his feet and covered his face with his gorgeous arms as he ran for the toilets. There he spent the last hours of the evening crouching among the wet cinder block walls. 
his beautiful feet and buttocks soaking in the stagnant water of the gray tiled floors. He cried, his sobs being heard by the others that gathered outside the bathroom door. Some, being bold men, claimed that they would march in and drag him out so that they could defecate in peace, but none entered. As the sun set, the water in the pool receded further into the granite and everyone went home. John crept out only when he was fully knew he was alone, and the waters were were still as the empty booths and the stocks where even Chet Hunkerton had been allowed to go home. He walked from one booth to another, revisiting the halcyon days of his youth when he could wander in public merely appreciated. That's when he noticed one booth was still active with a lantern glow radiating from the open window. He would have simply returned home except for the soft humming of a woman inside. John walked timidly toward it, peering from a distance at a, at a lovely blonde-haired woman who toiled over a large boiling barrel of dark, greasy water. A thin wisp of her hair loosened itself from behind her ear to hang delicately from her sweaty head. He was entranced, so entranced that he forgot the exposed bat in his neck and simply had to be closer. Finally, as he was at the opening of her booth, uh, he called out to her, Who is this with the hum of an angel and a scalp <laughs> moistened as if by a kiss from Poseidon himself? <laughs> she looked up at him and smiled. His fragile legs felt as if they would snap beneath him. She gave him a smile so warm and genuine, a smile he hadn't seen from another human being in years. Oh, I'm uh, just dead, she said. You're dead? Yes, she said. I died many years ago. It's a sad tale if you like uh, time to hear. My bat, John said, interrupting. <laughs> and you don't care about my bat? Uh, yes, I see the bat. It doesn't bother me. If you'd like to hear my story, but John wasn't listening. He felt arousal for the first time in a long time. Here, a woman was talking to him, and she accepted him for his bat. <laughs> he instantly felt the need to deploy his old techniques of seduction. He needed to ensnare her, the only woman who would have him. As she spoke words that were lost on him, he turned so that she could see his full profile and flexed subtly to let his thin fingers trace over his broad, dewy chest. When I was alive... <laughs> I was hired by the town's hot dog vendor to boil dogs and be their sausage wench, she said, pulling a wisp of hair back behind her ear. I could never afford to eat any of the franks I sold, but I was able to survive on the small tips anyone would give me. Oh, I slaved away over the barrel of boiling weenies for hours every day until everyone else bathed... Oh, uh, uh, I read that wrong. Every day while everyone else basked in the waters of the public pool. I wanted to join them, but I knew that the dog water I was covered in would only soil the pool for everyone else until the bucket brigade came at the twilight to refresh the waters. <laughs> so here I stayed in the wooden cell, stirring and pulling out meat links for each request. <laughs> and the sweat. My God, the sweat. John, still not listening, tried to see if he could distract her by rubbing his nipples. <laughs> then one evening, when a granite pit had absorbed most of the uh, water and the pool was closing for the night, she said, looking out toward the red glow beyond the silhouetted trees, a young boy came and ordered two meat sticks. I swirled the waters and pulled them out, and as I handed them over, uh, he pulled out a coin uh, as a tip, as most did, but instead of handing it to me, he cruelly tossed it into the barrel you see before me. She gestured to the brown, stinking froth that floated along the top of the amber waters. Trying to catch it, I threw my arms into the water and uh, ended up falling into the barrel head first. The child laughed. He actually laughed at me when I rose screaming and my skin boiling. John was, at this point, trying to do a subtle serpent dance while locking eyes with her. 
I ran from the booth and threw myself into the shallow waters in a desperate attempt to wash the burning liquid from my skin, but I uh, succumbed to a common fainting spell, and without a couch to catch me, I sank into the pool and drowned. And now, she said, this is when I am forced to repeat the moment of my death. John stopped at the word death. That didn't sound like something that she would say if his attempts at seduction worked. Uh, death, he said, stopping his dance with his hand frozen mid-slide down his belly to his groin. <laughs> death, she screamed before gesturing uh, at trying to catch something invisible over the barrel and throwing herself headlong into the boiling waters. She sat there, her legs dangling out the opening, gurgling bubbles bursting all around them before pulling herself up screaming. Her face was red and the skin looked open as if it were sliding off. Her eyes wild in pain and terror, she bolted from the booth and hurled herself over the exposed granite toward the open pool. She tumbled into the waters and floundered, trying to swim closer to its center. From there, she sank in silence. John, stunned at what he had witnessed, paused as uh, he watched for any sign of life from beneath the surface. She sprang up, gasping and crying out, trying to wipe the burning grease from her arms. She struggled, emitting a guttural animal sound before dropping back down again. The surface bubbled, then grew still. Eh, my God, what do I do? John said to himself. The bat squeezed out a thin stream of piss across his chest. <laughs> then, in another moment, he was running to the pool and dove in, cracking his head against one of the many slabs of granite that make up the, quote, shallow end, unquote, and he moved under the water toward where he thought she was. He was nearly out of breath before he felt his hands wrap around her waist. He pulled himself up uh, and her to the surface, and they both emerged screaming. Her from the burns and him from the pain in his head and the blood streaming down his face. They both looked at each other in shock and terror. You're the first person to try and save me. Their faces were close together. Blood dripped into his eye. She smelled strongly of hot dogs. What's your name? John Crow. <laughs> Hattie. That's the end of the chapter. <laughs> Such a long one. <laughs> well, with that... We should dive into what the hell the next chapter is going to be about. <laughs> what a mess. It's a mess. Oh, my God. Did we mention uh, last episode that we want to do the room to room gag? I think we did. Think we I'm not sure have. if we mentioned the last episode. I don't really sit around listening to our own stuff. So I guess just to revisit. Um, so I think it would be cute for him to run home all giddy back to the forested tip estate and he wants to tell his ghost friends about mm. the woman he just met uh, and of course uh, Mateo will be snarky and shitty Yep. and Max will be supportive but we want, we want it to be a little bit uh, unnecessarily formal what do we want to say that he makes it home around twilight because the, we haven't had the bucket brigade show up yeah, he's got to escape for the bucket brigades there uh, to harass him. Yeah, we'll just jump straight back to the house. Okay. And maybe by then it's just dark. Yeah, so he gets back home. He bursts through the door. And uh, the ghosts are doing something probably horrible that they probably don't want him to see when he shows up. I don't know what that would be. What the hell would that be? What's something gross that only ghosts can do? Watch other people masturbate. Uh, yeah, but no one else lives at the manor that we know That's of. That's true. Right? Uh, are they passing something through themselves? <laughs> are they like, look, I'm a living person, and then they drop food like through their mouth and it falls out their their 
lower half. <laughs> Maybe this won't work in the story, but it'd be funny if it's just like, look, I'm pooping like a living person. Then they just drop an entire roll of toilet paper through their body and down <laughs> through their butt. <laughs> oh, I'm clean. <laughs> and then they laugh and mock the living. <laughs> I think that would be really funny. I don't know how to write that, but we could try it. Are they wearing John's clothing? Oh, yeah, they could. I'm John Stiff Pemberton. I eat food. <laughs> I still need to eat <laughs> sustenance to survive. Yeah, they could do that. They could just be saying, like, look, I'm John Stiff Pemberton, and just take an entire chicken leg and pass it through their, their empty body so it just falls to the floor. I'm eating yeah. to live because I need it. <laughs> Something along those lines. That'd be pretty good. Otherwise, they try to put on his clothes and it just falls to the floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to eat to live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then he bursts in and just screams, woman, or something. <laughs> A woman. A woman. Talk to me. It doesn't care about the bat. Well, we also, something you said last night while we were cooking dinner, um, that you're almost imagining that scene from Greece. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me exactly. more. <laughs> she had flowing breasts. <laughs> now let's go to the study. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. nine o'clock. <laughs> I don't know how we would work a musical number into something purely just written unless you're going to sing when you record it. I'm not. Also, I don't want to get sued. Yeah, that's true. Well, can okay. they really sue us if they don't know about us? But also, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not singing. Uh, we could just copy the tell me more, tell me more thing. So they could say, like, what was her hair like? And then, yeah, it just give us a chance to, like, get out of thesaurus and just start describing her body in all sorts of weird ways. Like, what were her eyes like? And then you could start talking about, like, other big saucers or something. Yes. Yeah. And it's then at really the end. Creepy. They're all getting worked up and excited, and at the end, he goes, and she's a ghost, so she doesn't care about my bat. And then they go, oh, she's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't, like, it doesn't count. She's not a real woman. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think <clears throat> Maximilian would be supportive of that, and I think uh, Mateo would just find another reason to rib him. Like, does, he, does she even have corporeal form? <laughs> <laughs> Have you asked her to lift something? <laughs> or to hold on to something? <laughs> Can she grip anything tightly? <laughs> um, so I guess let's go through this. So he bursts into the foyer and uh, announces that he's met someone. Um, and probably doesn't give away that she's a ghost right away if we want to stick with that gag. Yeah. We'll kind of breadcrumb it. Yeah. So uh, maybe the ghosts ask, he comes into the foyer and they, they cover up whatever it was they were doing, like kick the chicken leg under a couch. They try, but it just stays there in the same spot on yeah. the floor. <laughs> and how they even picked up the chicken leg to begin with, we don't have to explain. No. <laughs> <laughs> so in the dining room. Maybe that's where we can start the tell me more thing without it like flat out being a song. Just be like, like he'll just describe really briefly like, or should we do like I've had in other stories that I've read where, oh, in Sherlock Holmes, 
um, where you read a chapter where something happens, then the next chapter is just Sherlock Holmes <laughs> telling Watson everything that I read in the previous chapter, almost word for word. That was exhausting. <laughs> it was completely ridiculous and so boring. <laughs> we could do it a little bit more of a... a qu- well, no, he never listed anything she said, so he doesn't really know. He's just like, I danced for her. <laughs> I did whatever. He can, really, all he can do is describe her physical appearance. Yep. Um, and maybe fill us in on what happened after he did finally learn her name. Like that in between oh. of when that stopped and when he got back to the estate. Because we did reach a problem last night where, like, I don't know how to, like, shoehorn in a sex scene here and what's going to happen the first time they meet. And we're like, it was just like everything we came up with was just weird and mildly offensive. So we're like, we don't really know what to do. Yeah. And so we just like, I guess we'll just end here where they just like, she says her name. Do we want to imply that sex was had? And maybe he just like goes from room to room describing the sex scene that he had with her is an idea. We don't have to do it. But like, that's one thing we could do is instead of describing her the entire time from room to room, he's just like, and then that's what she put her hand on my phallus and like that's crazy I'm in the mood for wine let's go into the drawing room where I can have my wine as I continue telling you this story how Something about those yeah so let's start here and so in the dining room I'm imagining he's shoveling food into his face because mm-hmm. he's a monster he is well he doesn't have any social uh, skills anymore because he hasn't been around people in like five years so he's talking around the food uh, <laughs> about her glorious glistening scalp. <laughs> That's true, because she's so sweaty and greasy. I like the term talking around the food. We're going to have to use that in the book. <laughs> he said talking around the food in his mouth. <laughs> um, maybe her decolletage is uh, greasy from the... Wow, décolletage. Décolletage. Look at you. French. You've been to college. You've been to college. Maybe once or twice. You use the kind of words of a college educated. Thanks. Yeah, look at you. Uh, Gracie from Hot Dog Water. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I love how many different ways you came up with. Thesaurus. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking at it. sticks. I don't know if kielbasa is actually just still a hot dog, Mm-mm. but uh, yeah, they had all these no. different terms. I'm like, I don't think that's a hot dog, so I had to keep going with different terms. That's why we were <laughs> we were talking to our German friends mm. about what constitutes a hot dog. She got so mad. Because <laughs> to her, if you put it in a bun, it's a hot dog. No, but that was to her husband. Oh, really? Was it? He was like, you put it in a bun, it's a hot dog. She's like, no, it's a bratwurst. They say, like, yeah, because there's so many us. different types of sausage. <laughs> you can't just slap anything in a hot in a bun and call it a hot dog. I know, but I, I do the same thing. It's like, if it's in a bun, I guess it's a hot dog, even though it's like clearly a bigger, fatter hot dog that looks fancier <laughs> with like herbs in it. <laughs> or cheese, spicy cheese. Oh, spicy because cheese. Because we're in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you went to Cub, which is a Midwestern uh, grocery store, and you're like, like, oh, these things are on sale. We'll get them. You're like, these are the most delicious hot dogs ever so had. Good. Like, why were they on sale? I thought they were just trying to get rid of them. <laughs> I know. I see no reason. And now we can't find them. The last no. time we were there, we couldn't find Well, yeah. I also don't remember what brand they were. But That's the beauty of Cub. You just yeah. go there and uh, take whatever they give you. You get what you get. <laughs> That's actually Cub's motto. You get what you get. <laughs> you get what you get. Shut up. <laughs> don't ask twice. <laughs> oh, you bought it for $1.99 last time? <laughs> 
fuck you. Oh, you don't remember the brand? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's a secret. You're in cub, motherfucker. Now go find something else and shut up. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> it's a cub secret. Taps his nose. That's a cub secret. <laughs> That's not for you to know. <laughs> Okay, so he's, uh, <laughs> where did we go? We're uh, talking we about going? hot dog water. Yeah. So her, he's um, talking around his mouthfuls of food, which I love that term. We got to put that in there. <laughs> uh, about her greasy décolletage and glistening scalp. Um, and what should we have the? Should we have the ghosts ask specific questions, or are they just dancing around asking for more, more, more? Um. Maybe just more, 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 because then that gives us a chance writing wise to just kind of just start listing off stuff without having to have actual interaction between characters. <laughs> that sounds good. <clears throat> so we're going to have Maximilian. Um, I feel like he would be draped over the table with his chin on his. Oh, his hand on his chin. On yeah. his hand. Yep, yep, yep. On his hands, um, kind of leaning in. Oh, man. And Mateo's... What room would you have a piano on where he can start playing soft music as he continues talking and then Mateo's sitting oh, on the thing with I his hands? I love that. Chin? That might be smoking room behavior, yeah. Is that smoking room behavior? Okay. Smoking Or can we just start making up room names? Like entertainment room. I don't know. The diversion room. <laughs> <laughs> the distraction room. The frolic room. The frolic room. <laughs> <laughs> the satisfaction room. <laughs> the merrymaking room. <sighs> Fun and games, good times, leisure activities. Why not it life. just be a legitimate piano lounge? So, uh, To the piano maybe lounge? Maybe Mateo is playing the, the <gasps> piano. Maximilian well, sh- is draped along it. And uh, John is John has the spotlight on him telling the story. As if they're performing on a stage almost. Or John is draped over the piano. Maybe he's draped over the piano, yeah. Telling his story to Mateo, who's playing the piano, looking up at him, going, tell me more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I feel like Max would be the one playing the piano, Mm -hmm. while Mateo, uh, I don't know, is like kicking something off rhythm just to mess up their their enjoyment. You just have like a tambourine. They constantly keep shaking and slapping like offbeat, like every one and three. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go back to the dining room really quickly. Sure. So Mateo's leaning over the table with his chin on his hands. He's fully engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's Mateo doing? Oh, he could be trying to uh, flick mouse poops because they live in an old house. <laughs> flick mouse poops into his food, but it never really. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, yeah, why is she still talking to you? And like, flicks it, and it flies and it bounces off his fork. Like, Haha, you didn't give me that time, Mateo. <laughs> I love it. What's John going to tell Max about now? We've already touched the glistening scalp and the decolletage. <laughs> yeah. What um, else is there to mention? Do we just have him describe how beautiful she is throughout all these scenes? Is that kind of where we're going? Okay. I think so. That seems fine. Um, well, let's literally start from the head and work down to the feet. Perfect. No other creativity beyond that. So now it's her face. So in the piano room, he's talking about her eyes. So on thesaurus.com, 
I type in eyes and we get dumps. <laughs> Lowness, melancholy, peepers, postpartum depression. What? <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. That How is about, weird. Uh, my least favorite description of eyes in fan fiction or, you know, erotic literature calling eyes orbs. Oh, sure. There you go. What's uh, her mouth like? <clears throat> mouth. It's an aperture <laughs> or a crevice or a clam. A clam? <laughs> like, and what were her lips like? Oh, her clams were like two perfect apertures. <laughs> two apertures? Just no. one perfect aperture. <laughs> two mouths. <laughs> her nose was like a, like a tube with two perfect apertures at the end. <laughs> uh. Yeah, her mouth could be like a clam, wet and glistening. <laughs> her sneezer or her schnoz? Her schnoz. <laughs> <laughs> what was her schnoz like? <laughs> Maybe that could be Mateo saying that. Her schnoz. Perfect. <laughs> One could ask, what was her schnoz like? And then Jonathan could be like, oh, her snuffer? Well, her- let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, her mouth is like a clam, her nose, we got our eyes. Should we get her ears for any reason? Absolutely. Here we have her receivers, her feelers, her <laughs> bullwhip, <laughs> no. bird snapper. What the hell is that? I've never heard that at all. Okay. Not at all. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> bird snappers? Well, where do I start? <laughs> We do have to use getaway sticks for our legs. We do have to use getaway sticks. Yeah, okay. That's a running inside joke for the two of us. We're constantly like, we think you're going on those getaway sticks. <laughs> Anytime you get up to go to the bathroom or uh, get up to do something. Um, Her sounds catchers. Her we could make them completely Melody wrong. receivers. Melody receivers. Aww. Her. I want to take something like... Even though it has nothing to do with ears, uh, still it sounds ear-like to me in my head right now. Cuspids. <laughs> cuspids? <laughs> or two perfect little cuspids, which has nothing to do with ears. <laughs> Her bicuspids. Her bilateral cuspids. <laughs> two perfect little bilateral cuspids. <laughs> We're just going to, you're going to have to figure that one out with... What's that? Uh, context clues. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Well, they could say, like, what were her receivers like? Her feelers. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, you mean it's her perfect little bilateral cussets? <laughs> oh, they were gentle and small like a child's ear. Ew, nope. <laughs> yeah, stay away from child when describing a wolf. Okay, fine. Now does... So are we going to use smoking room or are we going to... Well, what do we got? We got the dining room. We got the piano room. We have the foyer. He comes in in the foyer. They go to the the supping room. Wait, the foyer is the an piano. entrance area to the house, right? Yeah. That would be funny if they leave the piano room to go to the entrance area of their house and just stand there. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a keeping room. What's a keeping room exactly? Uh, I think a keeping <clears throat> room is more of like a colonial term for a place where you would keep your guests. 
You would have a fireplace in there, keep everyone warm and dry. No, you're right. Look at you. What's a keeping room? It's the 18th century colonial America when most cooking was done around a home's only fireplace. I learned that at Colonial Williamsburg, which is one of my favorite places. Okay, well, we don't care. In junior year of college, I went to Colonial Williamsburg for spring break. (laughs) (laughs) With my then boyfriends and uh, my roommate and her boyfriends. Uh, we I got a nerd living in my <laughs> house. You we also went to Gettysburg <laughs> in that same week. God damn it. <laughs> and you had the time of your life. I had a fantastic time. I loved it. Uh, okay, so they go to the game. <laughs> I wish you would have known this before you moved in. <laughs> you love it. Nerd! You know I was a nerdling. You liked I it. I know you're a nerdling. It's adorable. So they go to the keeping room. Um, to just stand around the fire? John is... Stoking the fire while staring into it, smoldering into it. Oh, smoldering into it. Good words. Good, good fancy words. Fancy College words. words. Maybe, right. maybe he runs his fingers down his neck as he remembers her trunk. <laughs> her trunk. Her oh, thorax. Oh, we're just talking about her thorax right now? <laughs> yeah, her midsection. <clears throat> uh, we got bosom, chest, bust, mammalia, udders, <laughs> teats. Mammary glands, her produce. Her firm fruit ripe for harvest. <gasps> to take to market. <laughs> her, her, for, her, her firm fruit looking ready to take to market. All right, going down to uh, what, what's the belly. Well, her. did he see her belly? Uh, no, we're just going to pretend like he's checked out every inch of her at some point while talking to her in the booth or whatever. We'll just... Undressed her with his eyes. Yeah. Are we really going to... Ooh, her solar plexus. Mm. (laughs) That's a term I use on you all the time. (laughs) Or her bay window. What? (laughs) Says bay window. No. (laughs) Intestines, paunch, pot, venter, bay window, beer belly, front porch, pot belly, solar plexus, and spare tire. What is the most outrageous room you would put in a manor? Would it have something to do with a specific activity? Hmm... Or a specific purpose? Oh, a dairy room. A dairy room? Where you just drink and look at milk. Oh, gross. Just big tubs of milk. Oh, disgusting. And cheese. It's just a room full of dairy products that you retire to before you go to bed. (laughs) Dairy room with... (laughs) Well, you have to have your dairy before you go to bed. Of course. Everyone knows that. That's the whole point. You'll have nightmares if you don't eat a wheel of cheese before bed. Exactly. And if you're going to fart for the rest of your day, just do it at night while you're sleeping. Exactly. (laughs) Dutch oven like I've done to you multiple times. (laughs) So there are aging cheese wheels, um, kegs of ice cream. (laughs) Melted ice cream because they don't have the technology to keep it frozen. (laughs) It's just sugary milk at that point. (laughs) So... You know that one scene from Greece uh, where all of the ladies are at the sleepover? Yeah. They're having like a slumber party. And then Sandy goes outside and she puts her love letter to uh, John Travolta and like the fountain and she's tracing her finger through the water. <laughs> I feel like John should be tracing his finger through a bucket of open milk <laughs> while he's talking about. Uh, Hattie's legs and feet. Oh, God. <laughs> and as he's tracing his finger through it, it creates, like, 
an outline or an illustration of her face that get, blows him a kiss. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> so what are we down to? Legs? Is the milk room going to be legs? He imagines the cream forms the visage of her face <clears throat> and blows him <laughs> a creamy kiss. Wow. You're basically wow. writing this right now. It's awesome. He's talking about her legs now. Yeah. Uh, what did we decide that very, very thin legs are in? But she's also not of the upper class. So should she have like... No, she's not. So thick, maybe... squash your head like a watermelon legs? No, she should have what are attractive legs by everyone's standards ever throughout history. But mm-hmm. in our story, the more thin and useless and atrophy they are, it means you are affluent, so it's more attractive. Yeah. So in this, she should have like beautiful, shapely legs... That it's just like, yeah, I mean, she's got pretty nice calves and her thighs are pretty, like, smooth or whatever. It's just like, it sucks. I know. I know. I'll just look past that. <laughs> <laughs> she has developed musculature that's luckily covered by the skirts of her dress. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, Max will be like, and tell me about the getaway sticks. <laughs> oh, let's look up legs. So Max is, I, I'm, ima- <laughs> I'm imagining how your one friend used to drink milk, lying on his belly, kicking his little legs, drinking a glass of milk with a straw. Oh, Corey? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to call him out by name. That's fine. No one knows who Corey is. Uh, I think I mentioned Corey in previous podcasts because we did the uh, summer of 89. So I talked about that at some point. So people know about him. But yeah, he lay on his tummy and uh, he'd come back from work. And he just, like, as a grown man would lay on his tummy on the floor, looking up at the TV and eating his dinner and just drinking a giant glass of milk. (laughs) (laughs) He'd get one of those, like, uh, Taco Bell cups. Yeah. And then um, he would just, like, drink out of this giant Taco Bell cup that's made for bubbly fluids, but it's it's just a huge thing of milk. It's even funnier because he's, like, (laughs) 6'5". He's absolutely (laughs) enormous. (laughs) A big, crazy-looking man. All right. So we decided that uh, her developed muscular legs. Which are unattractive to them. He's just going to put up with and tolerate. (laughs) What about her feet? Should we make them? She stands on them all day, but maybe they have the promise of an aristocratic foot, even though she stands on them all day. Like, maybe the toenails are all yellow and slide around over the tops of those toes, but she's still got small little, like, buttery feet. Little tiny little wisps. <laughs> I don't know. I'm wondering, like, there's promise in the feet. So as far as he's concerned, where it's like from the waist down, you should just be atrophied and be nothing. The legs are a shit fest, but the feet still have promise is what I'm kind of wondering. Feet with promise. And if it wasn't for the fact that we're holding off on him saying that it's a ghost until the very end, it would be like, if she was still alive, I would totally trim those nails. (laughs) 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 But we can't say that at this point. I don't know why we're sticking so close to, like, actual good writing with, like, linear. I I don't know why we bother, (laughs) but we do. (laughs) So uh, Max is on his belly kicking his legs. Well, we've been watching a lot of Jackass lately. Should he be dipping his balls in the thing yeah. of milk? 
We've watched like three Jackass movies this weekend. <laughs> I don't even know why we are, but we are. And all it is is just like jokes about balls hanging like a punching bag with like little guns that have like tiny fists that punch yeah. balls. And we just both die laughing. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Should we? Uh, Mateo's dunking his his balls. Yeah, which his doesn't even disturb the water because he's, he's a ghost, so it doesn't into, even disturb the water. <laughs> into the buckets of milk. So at this point, I feel like John uh, is yawning. He wants to go to bed, so they follow him to his chambers. Okay, it can be his bedroom, it can be the sleeping chambers, or it could be the lethargy room. The lethargy room. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Does Max tuck him in, or is that too motherly? No. Let Mateo tuck him in. But what can you do when you're tucking someone in to piss him off? Everyone likes a good tuck, though. Maybe he tucks him in, and then as he says, but she's a ghost, Mateo can be like, well, that's horse shit, and then like pulls his feet up so his feet are exposed. He's like, nah, <laughs> too cold. <laughs> or something. I don't know. What would, it, what would ruin the tuck? Maybe he fumbles the bedpan. I love how half the time when he puts his balls in a thing of milk, it doesn't mean anything because it doesn't disturb the milk water at all. <laughs> but then there's other times where you can pick up a whole bedpan and spill it on him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love he's got a bedpan still full of shit and piss from the night before. <laughs> or should Max be the one to actually be upset about the fact that he's got a girlfriend who, or he's met a woman who's a ghost, where even he's holding the bedpan like, let me empty this out for you, as Mateo's like talking tucking him in, but then even he's just like, horse shit, and throws the bedpan. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe Max is tucking him in, and then once he mentions that Hattie's a ghost, Mateo flicks the bat. Mateo could flick the bat, which uh, sends a bunch of feces all over his uh, cheeks and under his chin. <laughs> That'll ruin a tuck. That'll ruin a great A wet tuck. chin. Sure. A wet neck. Absolutely. All right, let's do that then. If we clue in earlier in an early room. Oh, she sounds too good to be true. She can't be a living woman. And then both ghosts turn to each other going, <laughs> which makes him nervous. So by the end, they're just like, so what's her name? And then he's worried that they'll know who she is because she's dead. And then he'll start farting and they're like, she's dead, isn't she? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, is it Hattie? <laughs> the hot dog wench? The hot dog wench? No one talks to her. <laughs> well, that seems like a, uh, a good place to stop. Do you got any other bright ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds condescending. I know, I'm no, sorry. No, we're in good shape. I think that um, that leaves us in a good place where we can pick up, uh, hopefully on some romance, we need to get some sex into this story. I know, there's like no sex for two chapters. This is a dry, dry smut. <sighs> well, maybe in this chapter, the way he describes her feelers... <laughs> I see that you've oh, written yeah. down her receivers and her feelers. We can try and be a little bit erotic about that. I'm not sure. But uh, otherwise, yeah, there's not a whole <laughs> lot of sex going on. Well, all right, fine. With that, uh, I think we're good. We have to, we got homework to do for the next episode. Yeah, we'll see you next time with a fully written chapter three. We're about halfway through our story, I think. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Tits. <laughs> <laughs> Cherry tits, dude. Cherry tits, dude. The finest tits. <laughs> well, with that, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Okay, bye. <laughs>
Want to contact us? Don't. This isn't about you. But if you have to, my email is glenn.nuzzles, N-U-Z-Z-L-E-S, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, uh, at House Nuzzle. Uh, but don't bother us, because we're too busy working.